Praise God. We rolling, bro? All right, let me pray. Lord Jesus, I love you. I thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for you are good, and your love and your mercy endures forever. I thank you that you have chosen tonight to speak to your people. I thank you that you're always trying to speak to your people, God. I thank you that you would use me and that tonight I can be a vessel of purity and a a vessel that just wants to proclaim your good works, God. I thank you that you'll speak through me. I thank you that the hearts, the spirits, and the souls here will receive your word, and we can all grow and learn together, and we can all mature together, and we can all become brothers and sisters of the true Father who is in heaven. So we love you. We hand it over to you right now, God, Holy Spirit. Do your thing, and we just give it to you, and we praise you, and we thank you for everything you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. We see. All right. So we've been teaching on the visions here at the ministry. And for some who may be new and who don't know, these visions are visions that our, our leader, Gene Hall, got a few years back and um, got them right for the Lord. And it is a visual picture. It is a something you can see to teach you what's going on in the spirit realm when you're going through the process with God. Okay. So the first vision we taught on was the journey of faith chart, which is this right here. This shows an unbeliever coming into Christ and growing up in Christ. Okay, so all these visions, all these charts came right from heaven for the for this move that's happening in God. We have to be able to see now to be able to grow to the next level. And I believe that because there's been a lot of good preaching over the last, what, 100, 200, 2,000 years about Jesus Christ and his death and his burial and his resurrection. But in order to grow up, we must know what we're doing. We must know what is happening in the process. And these visions are a great tool. They are a great um, measurement or they're a great thing to look at to help us understand what we're going through. Because sometimes when we're believers or sometimes just in life, if we don't know what we're going through or why we're going through it, it's hard to hold on, right? And you can say that as a believer because once you come into Christ, the person you used to be friends with, which is the devil, has now become your enemy. Yeah. And he's doing everything he can to get you off track. He's doing everything he can to condemn you, to bring pain, suffering in your life because he hates the spirit of God. In the beginning, it says that we were made in the image and likeness of God. So Satan hurts, uh, hates us because we look like God. He hates us for the, 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 the pure fact that we're like God. We were made in his image and like God. And you got to remember, when he was in heaven, what did he want to do? He wanted to be God. He wanted to overthrow his throne. So if we don't have these visions or since we have these visions, we have a great tool for us to understand about what we're going through and how to overcome. Okay? So the first chart, which was the journey of faith, what we just went over with, is how to receive Christ in your heart if you haven't received Christ in your heart. And once you receive him, the process of growing up in God. And what you see is the void man, the darkness man over here is void of the spirit of God. He has his own spirit, but he's void of the spirit of God. And when he gets regenerated back to God, which is what we're going to talk about today, he's able to hear clearly from God. And when you can hear clearly from God, you can follow instructions from God. And when you can follow instructions from God, 
you can grow up in God because God is not leading us astray. God is trying to teach us each and every way we should go. He's leading us into prosperity. He's leading us into wholeness. He's leading us in deliverance, everything that we need to grow up in him so Jesus can come back, so the bridegroom can come back for his bride because we're not only the church, we're the bride of Christ, okay? All right, so we're going to talk about the regenerated spirit tonight. I got my man Tizzy Todd on the mic, I mean on the, uh, on the ones and twos back there. I'm going to run the uh, scriptures for us and we're going to get started. So will you give me Genesis 2.16 and 2.17? You can just give it to me together. And the word says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge and good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. Okay. So in the garden... Man had freedom, okay? Man had the ability to choose. Man had the ability to follow God's command, which at that time was to eat of everything in the garden except this one tree. And that tree of the garden, um, I believe, was the, the garden of, was it the tree of life? That's what it was. And um, they were able to eat freely of those trees. But when he said, but if you eat of the tree of the knowledge of getting evil, you shall not you shall not eat it. And then that day you will surely die. OK, so the knowledge of good and evil. In the garden, to my recollection, to my revelation, was no need to be known. It was no need. Everything was perfect in the garden. God created man to hear right from him. And I think it's so awesome that in the garden, the man was perfect with God. The spirit of God was perfect in him. He was perfect. He was a spirit being. And he had direct communication with God. I believe it talked about him walking in the cool of the day. But that's what we have when we receive Christ in our heart. It's pure. We can hear directly from him. But it's, it's not knowledge of good and evil. It's knowledge of the one true God. Okay? So when man uh, ate from that tree... His mind, everything was illuminating to him because he could discern through the spirit of God what was right and wrong. And now that was an opportunity or for Satan to deceive and to cause man to judge what was right and what was wrong, putting him in the place of God. And I think it's so funny that um, Satan would do that. I don't know if this is in the scripture, but we all hear this before. Satan said, God does not want you to eat of this tree because you will be like him. And I know we've all heard this before, but they were already made in the image and likeness of God. And that's how crafty the enemy is. He knows how to use a truth to tell you a lie. And that's why you got to be so close to the and, and so in tune with the Holy Spirit, which is what you receive through regeneration. If you don't have that Holy Spirit, it's going. I'm just going to tell you, it's almost merely impossible, except for when the Father calls you to Jesus to hear from God. Everything else is a, is a lie leading you to death. And that death ultimately leads you to life, which is life in Christ. That's, and that's if you choose. Okay? But I just think how crafty the enemy is. That's why we must know the voice of God. And what you see here um, in this chart, you have the intuition, you have communion, and you have the conscious. And the intuition is right here. We just know that we know God is speaking to us. 
it's always going to come here first. Right here, we say it our heart, you know, some people say it's in their belly. Just, I just feel it in my stomach. I feel it in my belly. And then you have communion. I'll talk about communion in just a bit. But that's your worship with God. That's your worship with God. And that's so important here in this ministry. That's what we just went through for the last 30 minutes, singing praises to him, worshiping him, lifting our hands to him. And then you have the spirit of discernment. The spirit of discernment is to discern now, is God speaking to me or is the enemy speaking to me? Okay, or is this the way God wants me to go? Or is this the way Satan's trying to lead me? Y'all must understand, thoughts are just voices of a God. Okay, there's only two thoughts that we hear. You hear a thought from God, Jehovah, our God, or you hear a thought from Satan. And then every other thing else is either coming from Satan. There's only two thoughts. There's two kingdoms, light and dark. And that was one of the biggest revelations I had here because I used to think I had my own thoughts. These thoughts are voices of gods, and there's only one God, but there's a false God, and his name is Satan. So if I can understand that and understand what's being filtered to my soul or what's being filtered to my mind, I can start discerning. The way we discern is through the word of God, okay? I'm big in this. When people receive Christ in here, I believe that they need to get into the word. They need to get into it because I believe in the word it says that uh, when a seed is planted, there's someone that comes to try to take that seed. So when somebody receives God, man, they got to they gotta do something to nurture that seed. They can't just sit there and be like, oh, I just received Christ. I'm born again. I'm happy. That's all good. Don't get me wrong. God's going to bless you. But Satan is coming to destroy what God just planted. So we have to get in the word. And when we get in the word, I believe that's one of the first way God speaks to us, through his word. And that's how we start learning the voice of God. All right, let's go to Genesis 3.6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave it to her husband with her and he ate it. <laughs> All right, women. Be careful. Although the man got the instruction from God, Satan tried to deceive the woman. So in the beginning, it talked about God made man from dust. And then it said it created woman from man. So when man walked the garden, he was mostly, he was all spirit, actually. And God replaced the rib with flesh. Okay, y'all just y'all bear with me. When he made woman, she had connection to the spirit, but she was made mostly of flesh. And so what is flesh? It's simple nature. Some people call it iniquity. But that means there was just an enticement or a connection to filth in a sense. So Satan had something to use to draw the woman, which is just lack of knowledge. And I, 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 this was one of the greatest revelations. I believe Lee said this. I don't know if she said it or if I dreamed it. But when God created man, it said mankind, it meant both man and woman. So the man already had his wife inside of him or the woman inside of him. Okay? So they were already complete in one. And when God saw that Adam was going to do everything, you know, he needed to do and, you know, he was not going to oppose God, he saw that he needed a helper. So he went inside the man and took out the woman, which was already there. So in order for a man to walk out his destiny, or for a woman to walk out her destiny, she must become one with the man. In order to reach the, the highest level of, you can call it purity, you can call it you know, holiness or oneness with God, they must be joined. Because that's what it was in the Bible. That's what it was in the, in the garden. 
they, they were one already because he said created mankind, but he only formed man at first. He made man first. And then he pulled the woman out of the man. So when I got that idea, when a man and a woman are married and they're in unison with what God's doing in their life, there's so much power in that. There's so much dominion in that. There's so much authority in that because that's what it was intended to be. And I love it. Gene says the woman is the voice of God. And I just look at my wife because she ain't asking me to eat no fruit from a bad tree. But we've had our times where I was like, I don't know if that's the right thing to do, honey. But you know what? When we all grow, if we trust the spirit in somebody, the heart and not the mind or the spirit and not the soul that may be unrenewed, we'll grow together. And God will cover all of that. And look at it like this. God used something like this to give us an opportunity to experience him at another level, at a higher level. You know, I just, it blows my mind that God knows the end from the beginning. So he already knows everything that has already happened. So when he created man, he knew that Satan was going to deceive the woman. And that in that, he'll have us. And that we will worship him because we love him. And that we would choose him, not because out of obligation. Because we want to. And I think that's just beautiful when you can get to the place where you think like, dang, man, like Adam messed up. But in truth, I'm kind of, in a sense, I'm, I am. Because I don't know what my life would be if he never would have. Or would we even be here if he didn't, you know? So it's awesome. All right, Genesis 3.16. Under these, these scriptures, this is called the fall of man. So this is what happened when the man ate, ate of the fruit of the tree, okay? To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your, de your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. I just think that's, I'm just going to point out a few things in here. I love it when we watch young women grow up. And they already have it that they want to be married. I don't have any daughters, but I just know about, you know, kids that maybe like anywhere between three and eight, they've already planned their wedding. You know what I mean? And that's what the word says. And I think that's just so baffling. It's just that the word of God is true. And that if the, if the man has been processed through God and he's allowed God to train him up, raise him up, he will rule over his wife, but not in control, but to lead his family. To help his family grow in God. And I think that's so good. You know, some people don't like the idea that a man is to have authority over his wife. But that's what the word says. It actually says, I don't know if it's in, I think it's in Corinthians that the, this body is no longer yours. So Tori's body doesn't belong to her anymore. It actually belongs to me. But it also says that my body don't belong to me anymore. It belongs to her. You know, so if we, we start getting in that and understanding through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is our helper. The Holy Spirit was sent to convict. It's our helper. It's our comforter. It's all these great things. And if we just call on him, he'll show, he'll show you great and mighty things. He'll teach you the word. I know I, I'm just, I'm overly amazed about what God can do in a person's life when they just surrender. When they really just say, all right, I'm done living the life I want, I want to live. He'll change you. All right. Genesis 3.17. And this is under the fall of man. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree, which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake and toil. You shall eat of it all the days of your life. In the garden, everything was essentially handed to Adam. 
he had to maintain. He did not have to plant. He didn't have to water. It was already done. So when he received the the, the lie from Satan or uh, deception of eating that fruit, the ground was cursed. And he would have to toil. He would have to toil for his earnings. He had to toil to eat. He had to toil. He'll just have to work. Where already in the garden, everything was perfect. Everything was perfect. So think about it like this. When we come into God, we receive the Holy Spirit. Should our life be about work or toiling or should it be freely given? And that's all areas, all aspects. I've been trying to practice this one thing. I haven't told anybody this, but I guess you guys will be the first to know. <laughs> I've been practicing. I don't want to pay for food. I don't. I think like God wants to give me everything freely. So I won't bring my lunch to work and I won't go out and buy it. And if I'm supposed to eat that day, I believe God's going to bring it to me. Isn't that pretty cool to try that? I, mean, I had it for a while. I was working for a while. I don't know if I, you know, I fell back into my own mess, but it's cool to practice little things like that. And I know Lee talked about practicing asking the Holy Spirit what to wear every day, but little things like that. I believe God wants to give everything freely. Um, last year, I have a testimony about I gave away some clothes. I needed new clothes, y'all. I gained some weight. Man, everything was fitting so tight. I was just like, man, I need some new clothes. I started wearing sweats. And I gave away, I don't know who I gave this, these clothes to. I gave somebody some clothes. I don't remember. And then Tori came home like two or three weeks later, bags and bags full of clothes. And we were just going through. I'm just like, wow, Lord. Because I wanted to buy clothes, but I couldn't buy them. You know, we didn't have the money to buy clothes. So I was either, you know, wearing the same thing that felt comfortable over and over again. Or I just, you know, would wear sweats. And she came home with all this stuff, man. I was just, wow. It's just, yeah, it's through sowing and reaping. But I freely received it. I didn't have to go out and buy it. I didn't. The same thing. I, I, I have an awesome testimony about a grill. The Lord told me to give my favorite grill to my next door neighbor. I did. Well, I wanted to keep that grill so bad. I knew I could cook the best ribs on it. I knew I could cook the best ribs on it. So he told me to give it. I said, he told me to give a grill. And then I asked the Lord, I said, which grill do you want me to give? And I felt in my heart to give him the one I really liked. A month later, a month and a half later, um, I got a grill that had to be, I'm just telling you, it has to be 100 times better, worth 100 times more. But I didn't have to toil. It was already there. So how can I receive freely as it was in the garden? You know what I'm saying? I believe through sowing and reaping. But God wants to show us his goodness, too. I think we can receive an out-of-the-nowhere blessing. And it doesn't mean there was a formula or there was something that I did to receive it. It's just God want to shower you with something to bless you. I think we're all about to move into that, the supernatural or the divine blessing of God. Because how many of us have really spent time with God? We have really labored with the Lord, praying, praying, worshiping, reading the word. Some got 20-plus years in it, you know? It's no longer time. To be yielding to the works of the flesh. Or the you go I love you, man. That's that's my best looking brother right there. Yeah, he, I'm sorry, Todd, he is, bro. He is. You know he got that shiny gray too. <laughs> love you, man. All right. Yes, sir. I don't even know where I was at with that. God wants no more. We gotta move into the the grace. The free grace, the, the grace that we stand under, and there's a grace that we stand in. 
we got to move into that grace. We got to have both those graces operating. And that grace is, in a sense, not where I'm calling things into existence or those, it's a grace that when God speaks, it's the ability to do it so he can do what he needs to do. Gene always says, if I can get it through you, I can get it to you. If he can get it through you, if he can speak to you and you hear it through the Holy Spirit and you obey, he can get it to you. I'm not one of those guys that talk big about being blessed, being prosperous, but I have an ideal about God, and I only have an ideal about God through the word of God and through teaching. God ain't lacking nothing. And if God's not lacking anything, we're not lacking anything. We must really dig deep inside the Holy Spirit because he's our helper. He is our helper. He is our teacher. He's our comforter. So whatever the situation is that we may be having a hard time in or maybe it's receiving. Some people have a hard time receiving. People want to give, but they can't receive. Or maybe it's the Holy Spirit leading us to give and we don't want to let go. If we look deep down on the inside, it can really open up the floodgates. And that's that vision right there talking about out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. If I can just look on the inside and obey, the rivers can start flowing out of me. And not only will I be blessed, but I can be a blessing as it was always intended, which is grace to operate in grace. And my grace can serve you. This is what this is what I really want to get into in life is allowing the grace of the grace that God's put on my life to serve others, to give to others, to do for others. The grace that he's put on my life, because he put grace or anointing or power, he's put something on your life, not only for you, but for other people. All right, so all those scriptures were just on the fall of man. Adam walked perfectly, and he walked perfectly. He had divine communication with God in the garden until he ate of the apple, and he lost it. He lost it. He had to toil. I even think he maybe had to toil to hear from God again or to talk to God. But all that goes away. When we receive Christ on our end, we get the Holy Spirit gets regenerated and God is right here speaking to us in our heart, in our spirit, letting us know that we are sons, excuse me, that we are children of God. Bearing witness with the spirit in us that we are children of God. All right, let's go to Galatians 3.13. This is under. The resurrection of the new man. It says Christ purchased. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs from the tree. God, excuse me, Jesus redeemed us. He took everything that was ever a curse onto the tree. It was crucified with him. Okay, so we no longer have to carry those things. When we receive the Holy Spirit, it's like we well, it's not like we are washed clean. And I got a good revelation. It was probably I think it was during King Killers that if there's a generational curse that's operating in my life, the power of it's taken away. When we get when we get born again, the power of it's taken away. But until we have knowledge of the generational curse, it can still operate in our life. The power of it's taken away. It says we perish for lack of knowledge, okay? If I know something's killing me, I'm going to stop doing what's killing me. If I don't, how do I combat it, even though the power is not there for it to operate? You, you guys get what I'm saying? I hope I'm saying that right, because it was awesome. Gene, bro, I said, well, if we got cleaned when, God, when Christ went to, you know, when he got crucified, 
Why there's still generational curses operating in people's lives and they receive Christ? It's through lack of, they just don't know. And it's through, it's, which is we're back on this, it's through like really leaning in the spirit, asking of the spirit, what is not of you, God? Reveal what is not of you. What is not of you? And then once he start revealing it to you, you got to do your, you got to do your due diligence. Okay, you know, were my parents not tithing? Were they not big in the church? Were, were they idolaters? Were, you know, did they worship false gods? Stuff like that. Or were they in a cult? Things like that. And then when we know that, we can figure out how to combat against it, or we can pray against it, or we can ask God to deliver us from it, and he will. Ephesians 2.1, we're almost done. And I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the voice of God, the voice of God, and how we can hear the voice of God. And he made you alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. We definitely, when we were not in Christ, folks, just so you know, we were, we were basically corpses walking around. Excuse me. And there was no life protruding or bellowing out of us. It could have been a false life or a false light, but it wasn't the light of Christ. Now, God gives us gifts that, you know, without repentance. So I can operate in something that God has blessed me in, you know, to do it for life. But if God's not in it, it's not everlasting or it's not eternal, meaning it's not going to stay forever. Until I receive Christ and I start walking in what he's called me to, it will diminish. And that's what I experienced before I came into kingdom life. When I came to kingdom life, I was really good in sales. You know, I could, I could, you know, I can get pretty much anybody to buy anything, you know, but it wasn't, you know, I wasn't doing deceitfully. I never did. I guess I did do it kind of deceitfully for my own gain, you know, whatever the case. <laughs> but uh, when I started pursuing God, that gift would only work at a measure. And then as I really got started pursuing God, it was like, mm, I, I can't even do it like that. It was like a straight plummet. It just went straight down. It wasn't that the gift wasn't working. Because the gift is always working, meaning it, I can use it. It's an anointing. It's, it's on me. The gift is working, but it wasn't, it wasn't producing. So I was working it. I was working it. I was working the gift, but it wasn't, it wasn't yielding forth any fruit. And that fruit was because it was, it was dead fruit, man. I was, a, I was a bad tree, and that tree was not yielding life. So when I came into Christ, the life that is on Christ's life, which is spirit of life, which he, he breathed into us in the garden, you can speak, and those gifts will do what it was intended to do. But it's only until it's processed. That gift has to be processed. It cannot be prostituted. We all have gifts. We all have gifts that God has given us. And until we get processed in God, um, they will not produce for us. And if they are producing for us and we're not in God, it's prostituted and it's for our utter demise. It's for us to get to a level to, for Satan to use it. And he's going to bring us down very harshly. And it's to make us look silly or to, you know, to make us be ashamed. But I think about the scripture, it says that. Um, talking about how. It's a scripture that says. Basically. Christ was crucified. Like beyond human knowledge. And behind, I guess, angelic knowledge, this is not what it says. I'm, I'm definitely paraphrasing. But when Christ was being crucified, Satan was partying like we won. We did this. We're like, I'm so happy that what, what, we, what we all have worked for for the last however long years is now, now come. 
And when, Christ, when Jesus was buried and conquered death in the grave and went to hell, he made a public spectacle of Satan. I think about that in my life, how, how Satan used everything, and he was just so joyous when I got to my lowest, where I just felt like there was nothing else that I could uphold, or there's nothing else I could do. I had no money. I had no friends. I had no family. And he's just, we got him now. He's going to take his own life for whatever the case is going to be. And Jesus came into my heart, and he came into my life. And Jesus made a public spectacle of Satan. All the things that he wanted to use to shame me. All the things he wanted to put unforgiveness on my heart. All the things that he wanted me to use to reject people. Christ came and redeemed for his purposes and for his glory. And I just think about how Satan is so dumb that he thinks that he could beat and defeat the God of all the universe, the God of everything, the God of all but he continuously tries. That is pride. And it's ugly pride. But think about that. Think about in your life about what Satan's tried to use to destroy you and how God is going to use it to promote you, to make a public spectacle of Satan in your life. I wish I knew that scripture, man. It's in, it is in Colossians. I'm actually, I'm going to find it. You, you got it? You got it? Well, that's the one talking about making a public spectacle, but there's one talking about the wisdom. Okay, let's go to the next scripture. There's, there's a scripture talking about, like, basically, oh, man, I wish I knew it right now. You got it? I can't, it's not coming to me. All right, let's go to Ephesians. I mean, let's go to John 10, 27, and I'll go, I'll go on this. We're almost done, folks. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they know me. When we have the Holy Spirit in us, and if we have the Holy Spirit in us, we have to commune with God. Because God wants to speak to this pure place right here. In the word, it says that um, through worship, through praise, it, it basically scatters the enemy. It scatters all the different voices. It scatters all those things. And if we can commune with God... We can hear him. And if we can hear him, we'll know him. And if we know him, we'll follow him. It's the same thing I was just saying. Like God has set it up so perfect and so easy for us to know him. You know, it says, ask and you shall receive. Knocking the door will be open. You know, those things like that. But some of us aren't even asking. Tori got a revelation about I'm not even asking questions. I probably didn't say it that way, but she could have been asking more questions. There's a time of grace, and I got this at the beginning of the year. There's a wave of grace, and you can use this for anything, sports, life. There's a time where grace is so high, and you can ride grace. But if you put extra effort, more effort into it, it's going to really elevate you. So when God is trying to speak to you and God is trying to reach you, or if God has grace on your life to pursue him, you really need to... Like put extra, extra. You can like see monumental stacks in your life. Boom, boom, boom. Instead of going through like the stairs. You know what I'm saying? It's like you can make leaps and bounds. I just called it a, a wave of grace because I know 
if you guys watch sports, if an athlete is doing really well, we can talk about Cam Newton, we can talk about Stephen Curry, we can talk about anything you want to talk, Michael Jordan, you know, for some of the older folks in here. Um, <laughs> at the height of his career, when he was basically demolishing everybody, should he have just rested in what he was doing or should he have worked harder at what he was doing to really go to the next? You guys get what I'm saying? So when God, if God like, you know, I got to speak, right? I got to speak on Wednesday. I got to speak on Friday. And it, I have grace to do ministry right now only because God has called me to speak on these nights. If I just rest and don't do anything with God, well, I, I'll grow. But what will be the pace of it? Because I'm speaking still, right? I'm practicing. But if I really put in some effort with the Lord, what's going to happen? Every time I speak, it's going to be like, boom, boom. Or every time God asks me to minister, you guys get what I'm saying? Awesome. I've been asking y'all about a hundred times. You guys get what I'm saying? All right. So we must know his voice. If we know his voice, we'll know him. In the crowd, many people can be talking. But if Tori, Mimi, or Keyshawn was to call my name, we was in worship Saturday, just coming down. And Keyshawn was like, Uncle Chris. I knew it was him. I didn't think it was anybody else in the house. I knew it was Keyshawn. So think about it like that. There can be a lot of noise going around you. But if you have spent time with God, you'll hear his voice. All right, John 4.24. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. This was the chart right here that changed my life indefinitely. There's no, there's no turning back. Worship is such a great revelation. Um, I didn't spend much time in the church. My, my dad was a pastor. His father was a pastor. I never met my grandfather. And I went to church till I was about eight years old. And then I didn't start going back to church until I was like 14. But it was just because my mom would go to church on Sundays. I didn't want a relationship. But I did have an encounter with God, and I pursued him for about a year, year and a half. I never got the revelation on worship. I always got the revelation on praying, praying and asking for things. And God would, you know, answer your prayers. Worship. Let me hit the scripture real quick. God is the spirit and those who must worship him in spirit and truth. Worshiping God in spirit is worship him out of your spirit. Meaning, I'm not focused on the things that surround me. It's not looking on the things that are external. It's looking on the things that are internal. It said the things that you can see are not everlasting or eternal, but the things you do not see are what, eter what are eternal. So to worship him in spirit, I'm going to worship God from the inside out because of who he is because of what he's done. All these different things, those awesome things about God in spirit. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help me praise and worship God. And in truth, the truth is what God has revealed to you in his word. Okay? And we spend a lot of time in worship in here. When I first came here, I could spend about 10 minutes in worship because my mind would wonder, what am I going to eat? What am I doing tomorrow? Why are we in here so long? I hate this song. Why are we listening to this? Y'all know, man, come on. When you first come into Christ, man, when you first have a conversion, when you really want to pursue God, God's going to start working this thing out. And you got, it's a part of your process. So why, why we spent two hours in worship? Your boy worn out, but you know. Um, but in that truth, if I was to worship for 10 minutes and then clock out and start thinking about it, I'd probably worship him with the measure of the born-again experience, that truth that Jesus died for me and that he wanted to come and live inside me. But as I grow, now I'll show you the guys. I just want to use all the charts now. Yeah. 
I'm not saying a born-again person can only worship 10 minutes. I believe when I first started, I could probably worship for about 20, 25 minutes. Um, but that was just my experience. Some people are just, they like to, they like to sing anyway. But we're pure worship, so everybody knows, where your mind is not on anything else. Your mind is fixated on God. Okay, that's really worship, where your mind is on him. But what I'm saying, for an hour of truth, God must reveal to me that God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. You know, uh, I can do all things through Christ. These are the words that God has revealed to me. That is that truth. That is the spirit of truth. I'm excuse me, that is the truth of the spirit. The truth of the spirit, which is his word. So, you know, you have logos and you have rima. The logos is the written word. I can read the logos and it'll fill my spirit. It's the revealed word. It's the rima word that changes me. Okay, so as I'm reading my Bible, and this was the first word, God says, uh, it's, it's Colossians 2.20, if you want to put that up, Todd. This was the very first one that I recognized outside of Matthew 6.33. And everybody knows Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Um, but the first one that I recognized that I got was this. It says, therefore, if you have died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to its regulations? I was reading a book about a man who died and went to heaven. In the entire book, he writes out the scriptures. In the book, after he writes the, the scripture reference or the, the, you know, the verse in the chapter, or the, all these different things. And at this part in the book, he just, wrote the, he just wrote the scripture. It was like five of them. And I started looking at it. And when I say this thing jumped off the page, smacked me right in the face. Smacked. I'm, it was like, bro, I'm right here right now. <laughs> it was like, that's how God spoke to me. And I was in a place where I was making a transition in a career. It wasn't even a career in business. And um, it was baffling. But the revealed word to me was that if I'm deciding to live in Christ now, if I've died to those things, why am I still living by its, by its rules? Why do I believe that if I have to go to this conference for my business to be prosperous? You, you get what I'm saying? Why do I have to spend this amount of hours laboring for my business to be prosperous. My mind was changing. I was like, man, God is really, because it was either go to this conference or come to service. That was a revealed word to me. So when I came and I worshiped, you understand, I probably got another 10 minutes of worshiping before, my, before I clocked out. And God will speak to you how he needs to speak to you. Other, other Rima words are a prophetic word, word of knowledge, um, prophecy. Those are revealed words. But I, I believe, like, God's going to speak to you first in his, in his word, man. He, he wants you to rely on his son. He wants you to rely on his son. Um, but that was my first real word. I remember I text Gene and Lee, same time. I got my first real word. And Gene, Gene sent back like a dot, 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 meditate on it. And Lee was like, yay, yay. Gene was like, meditate on it. You, you hear his little deep voice, meditate on it. <laughs> but when we worship, and I'll touch on this real quick because we're just about done. We praise through the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is praising Jesus through us when we enter into when we enter into praise and worship. Okay, so when I go into worship, the things I used to say is, "God, forgive me for all my sins. Forgive me for knowing the right thing and not doing it. Forgive me for uh, missing the mark, and forgive me for anything that is not of faith." And then last year, the beginning of this year, I figured out that lawlessness is also considered sin in the Bible. Um, so I ask all those things to, because the Word says in one John one nine. 
if we confess our sins and ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. I want to be cleansed before I come into worship so I can extend a lot faster. Because you have to think when you're in worship, man, we're knocking off the flesh. We're knocking off the flesh. Well, we're not knocking off the Holy Spirit is doing it, but it's like you got to battle through those, that worldly nature, that, that fleshly nature. So I would ask for forgiveness, and I would literally ask, I said, Holy Spirit, please help me praise Jesus. Please. Because I'm telling you, when you have all those things going through your mind, because you got to remember when we experienced a lifetime of darkness before we came to Christ. So there's a cleansing process that God is renewing that mind. So I asked him to, to help me. And then when I would feel that, that in-between, between, like I'm really excited, I'm you know, joyful about praising God, and then that worship's coming in, I'm getting settled, and I'm really meditating on who he is, the things he's done in my life, I would ask Jesus to take me to the Father. This is, these are things I'm saying in worship. And in the meantime, I'm talking about how holy he is, how worthy he is, how awesome he is, anything that's going to edify his name. And I'm telling you, if you declare how awesome and how worthy God is, I'm telling you, he is going to show up. Even if he's just showing up where you are in worship. I'm telling you, every time I'm talking about God, you're so worthy, I can feel him wanting to just come out of my body and go in my body and, you know, be right next to me. But that's what I would do. I would ask Jesus to help me get to the Father. And when that rest, when we got to the Father, Jesus has sanctified that house. So after I had already asked for forgiveness, I've asked the Holy Spirit to get me to Jesus. Jesus has done his job, sanctified me. My soul is not worried about what I'm going to eat anymore. It's not worried about the bills I haven't paid. You know, man, my car is about to get repo. Man, we ain't got no lights. It's not worried about that. I'm just happy because, you know, I'm just having joy because God has just showed up. He answers everything anyway. So when I get to the Father in worship, you see this man, he's full. He's full. It's like he doesn't need anything else. God has just satisfied. So when we enter into that rest, you know, we kind of entered into it a little bit at the end of worship tonight. It's like a presence comes in the house. And all you got to do is just receive. Jen used to say, man, just receive whatever you need is in the atmosphere. I didn't even get what that meant. What does that even mean? What does that mean, you know, it's in the atmosphere? But as I, you know, started understanding God or just, you know, pursuing God more, God is everything. Everything. He's all, he said he's in all, he's, and he's above all, he's in all, he is all. Like, when God shows up, why do we need anything else? In heaven, they don't ask for stuff. When they worship him, they just tell him about how holy he is. And then the elders cast his crowns, the, the crowns before him. They don't ask for nothing. So why when we get in worship, do I even need, when I, when I enter that rest, when, when my father, my daddy has showed up, he says he is the giver of all good things. And then also, that's, that's in the, the epistles. Don't quote me on that. I don't know if that's in the epistles. But he is the giver of all good things. It's in the New Testament somewhere. But then it says also, talking to human fathers, Jesus said this, if you being evil know how to give your sons and your daughters good gifts, how then is your father who in heaven who is perfect? Know how to, and, they don't even have to, and we don't even have to ask. He already knows. So when I got that whole thing, like, man, all I got to do to get, get into worship, to receive from God, man, it really push you in. Because sometimes we hit a, a serious lack if we sown a lot of bad seeds in life. And I was one of those people. And I'll tell you, the bad seeds did not start to sprout until I started pursuing God, boy. It was like every time I turned around, I, was, I, got a speed, I was getting speeding tickets. I was riding out without, without insurance. I'm telling you, every time I turned around, but I thought I was for sure I was going to go to jail. 
I was for sure. But God protected me because my heart was right with him. But those bad seeds must, they're going to come up with the wheats are going to, the tares are going to come up with the wheat. That's just the way it is. But then God said he's going to send his reapers. And what they're going to collect is the wheat. They're going to discard the tares and throw them in the fire. So worship, it also says, let the people praise you. This is in Psalms. Let the people praise you. The earth has yields for its increase. As we praise God, the earth, whatever we need, which is in the ground, through grace, through obedience to God, is going to yield whatever we need, our increase. I love worship because worship changed my life because I had a mind that would be 100 miles per hour all over the place. And God has to sanctify this thing. There's a purpose in a person's mind being able to go from, you know, Kim McCarthy to Mimi to Kenrick. I should be able to talk to her and, and the Lord speak to me about Kenrick and just talk to her what she needs and then go to him. In the world before it's sanctified, it's like a, I'm chasing squirrels. It is. I see a, a food commercial and I'm looking at a, a, you know, I don't even know how you explain it. But you guys know what I'm saying? Like your mind has no type of discipline. And God is a God of discipline. All right, last scripture. I'll talk all night about God. Y'all won't leave this place. <laughs> I'm just teasing. Hebrews 9, 14. Tough crowd tonight. Not a play. <laughs> How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, Cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Remember when I was talking about the conscious, that, that function of the Holy Spirit, it's used to discern if we're in works of righteousness, works of the flesh, if I'm doing my own thing, if God's in this thing. We have to know we have to know through the word of God, through the spirit of God, through worship, through prayer, all those, all those uh, sacrificial offerings to God, that God is, God is in everything that I'm doing. That's what the conscience is for. We talk about the conscience, right? The conscience in the world is the knowledge of good and evil, right? It tells us that I did something bad. That's or I, I'm doing the right thing through a feeling. It's through a feeling. It's not through a knowing. And the Holy Spirit is through a knowing. Is am I to go this way or am I to go that way? God, are you speaking to me here or are you not saying anything? Am I to move or am I you know, to stand still? And the conscience, so how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God? Christ was perfect when he presented himself as an offering. Okay? So everything in him was perfect. So as we go to God, we should cleanse ourselves to be perfect like Christ. And only the thing we can be perfected in, I don't know if we can be perfected in a lot of things, but I know we can be perfected in love. Will I lay down my life for another person? Am I willing to seek the good of another before my own? Will I keep my mouth closed when people are harassing me or people are opposed to me or people are adverse to me? Will I tell somebody I love them when they're just screaming at me? Will I smile at them? Will I hug somebody who needs a hug if I don't want to hug them? You know what I'm saying? If you can really walk in love. It, and the word says that we're perfect if we don't stumble in words. 
words of love? Am I not stumbling to get something out that I should not get out of my mouth? Or am I holding myself until God is asking me to speak? So we talked about the intuition where God, women have strong intuition. They're just so keen to the voice of God that they know that they know when they know. Excuse me. Communion, we must spend time with God. We must fellowship with God. We must become one with God. Tori was reading in, she reads all the time, but um, she was so excited because she said, Jesus, when Jesus was getting ready to be crucified, he prayed for his disciples. And the thing he prayed for was that we shall become one with the Father as he is one. He prayed that for us to become one with the Father. And think about everything Jesus did. Think about how he walked. You know what I'm saying? So through communion, we can become one with God as Jesus was one with God. Yeah, I remember Jesus used to go and pray in the mountains all night. And people would be looking for him. Where were you? We got to go do this. And he was just like, man, I'm about my father's business, bro. I could just imagine what Jesus saying to him like, nah, man, I was just up. Let me get a nap. I was just up praying all night or something like that, you know? That man was, Jesus was another level. No man can be compared. When you think about everything he did, how he did it, why he did it, we hold nothing. And that's why it's grace. I'm telling you, that is why it's grace. Because when I look at the life through what it was depicted in the Bible, I want to say it like this. What's the other word? We're worthy through Jesus Christ, but we aren't. We're, we're undeserving. Undeserving, but worthy. I don't deserve the love that God has for me because I'm wicked. Even when I know the right thing sometimes, I still do the wrong thing. Knowing the consequences, knowing that it's going to go against God. That's, that's an undeserving attitude. But I'm worthy through the blood of Jesus Christ because he took all my sins. You know what I'm saying? It's powerful. So thinking about that life, man, he had a choice to sin. He had a choice. He had a soul. He had a choice to do what God was not asking him to do. And he walked blameless. Man, we can get in communion with God and walk blameless before him. I think two men did it in the Bible uh, that it was recorded. Enoch and I think it was uh, Job. They, they were considered blameless. It may be some other ones. Like this is the two that just came to my mind. Um, and then we have the conscience, which is what is used to discern our movements with God. Not the knowledge of good and evil, the recognition or, you know, just knowing, is this Satan trying to pull me or is this God leading me? You guys get it? Yeah. Are there any questions? What time is it? That's pretty good. I did good. I'd go for another 20 minutes then. So let me give you some revelation out of ink. Now I'm just playing. <laughs> Praise the Lord. We got any questions? Any questions? You got to grab the mic, Mimi. Bless the Lord. I feel like, man, my man Daniel's in the house. I love these two beautiful women over here. I wish I knew their names so I could put them on the mic. Miss Becky and Miss Jennifer. You know, it's just, I love y'all. Go ahead, Mimi. Um, In the beginning when you were saying that the devil can, he is so good at making the truth a lie. What did you mean by that? Like, how can he do I, that? I'm, I don't mean it like Satan makes a 
the truth a lie. It's not like that. You can't make a, a truth a lie. But there's, there's deception. He's the father of lies, meaning so he can turn a truth to make you move the way he wants you to move. And in turn, it becomes a lie because he played it in your mind. So when he was talking to the, the woman in the garden, he said, God does not want you to eat this because he'll know you become like him and you'll know good from evil. And you become like him. Oh. And in the beginning where the word says, I created man, kind, man and woman, both together, in my image and my likeness. So he did a play on words. So it wasn't like he made it a lie, but he perceived it in her, like he was able to play from her lack of knowledge or play from the things she didn't really know to make it be perceived. And it, in, in, in turn, it was a lie. Because the lie was, was the truth. The fact they already made it an image in the likeness of God. So that was the truth. So he used the lie to deceive the truth. He used the lie to turn the truth. The lie is that God does not want you to eat this. That's the lie because you will be like him. That's the lie. That's not what God said. Yeah. What you, behind every lie, there is a truth. Or all lies believe with the truth because it has to have an element of truth in it. I hope I wasn't getting too wordy. Let me get that mic, Kim. Mimi, yeah. Did you get what I'm saying? To the word, didn't, didn't Satan use scriptures when he was talking to Jesus and trying to tempt him? Yes. And he twisted them and made and used, used the concept, but twisted them to his yep. good. So you can almost hear the word in it and think, well, that's got to be right. He's using the word, but it's not. He's just twisting the way he's using it. He's abusing the word. Yeah, he's yeah. definitely an abuser. Yeah. yeah, keep going. All right. But God, he does things to work for his, for his good, right? So even in that, as you were saying, it worked for our good. Because his son, he was conceived by the Holy, no, conceived by the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. So he took all of our sin. And before, you remember when you was talking about the cross? On the cross, he said, Lord, forgive them for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. And so even though Adam or Eve, yeah. who's the girl? Eve. Eve. She was called um, a woman at first. Even though she was deceived, she did not know. So we were free. We, in her not knowing, we was forgiven because Jesus. Forgive them because they didn't know what they were doing. Yeah, he asked for forget forgiveness. Through deception. Yeah. That was That's good. I never heard it said that way. That's good, Mimi. That's awesome. Any more questions? Hey. Hey, buddy. Praise the Lord. I hope everybody got this tonight. I know I was throwing scriptures I weren't really using from the packet in there. Um, but the important thing is through the Holy Spirit or through the regenerated spirit, which is full of life, light, we have a connection with God that cannot be severed. It cannot. Once we receive Christ, we have divine, the, the veil was taken away so we can go before God. 
now. So through the Holy Spirit, we can ask what we need. We can talk to God. We can actually tell God our problems. God doesn't want us telling people our problems. He wants us telling him our problems. He wants us confessing to him first, doing all these things first. And we can only do that through the Holy Spirit, through the help of the Holy Spirit. So we must use the Holy Spirit. He is our helper. He is our comforter. He is our teacher. And he is sent to convict sin. We all know how that feels when we, when we do something that we're not supposed to do. And it, it's like, oh, I shouldn't have did that. Can I take it back, please? So allow the Holy Spirit to help you. And he's the guarantee of our success. So if you came, in, if you came into God, if you received Christ in your heart, you are guaranteed success in life. Point blank, period. It's his word. That's what it says. So we should just receive that by faith, man, and, just, and let that be what it's going to be. And pursue him relentlessly and thoughtlessly. Pursue him as if it was just you on this earth and you're looking for the one true God. All right, let me pray and then we'll be done. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We honor you today. Father, you're so good. I ask that every word that was from you get sown into good ground, Father. And the words that were not, I ask that they be cast into the fire and that there were no, no recollection or no thought of them, Lord. And let every word that was heard be edificial to the soul, bringing forth good fruit to the hearer. And I ask tonight that you do your work eternally, God, internally, and allow those who have heard and those who have not heard to receive your revelation of your love and your truth. We praise you, God, because you are so holy and you are so worthy of all things, God. We give it to you. We ask that you just protect us tonight and each and every day and that you just speak to us. Illuminate your voice in our heart and just I ask that you just give us a supernatural thirst and a supernatural hunger for your word, God, and, and for worship and for prayer and all the things that you desire out of us, Lord, which is our time. So give us your heart, give us your mind, and we'll give you ourselves, God. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.